what is most important about prophecy is not prophecy because it's not about prophecy. It's about Jesus. Matthew 7, 20 to 23 says that there will be people in the last days who will prophesy, who will heal the sick, who will cast out demons. And Jesus will say, away from me, I never knew you. So the main thing is not prophecy. The main thing is Jesus. Having said that, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, follow the way of love, love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. What does eagerly desire mean? It means when I saw Femka, this beautiful Dutch woman, I eagerly desired her. And I crossed the ocean, and I did everything I could to be with her, to marry her. She's mine, and now she's the mother of my four children. And I'm so crazy about her, and that's the same thing that I do with Jesus. One time I was in Chicago having jet lag at 2 o'clock in the morning, moaning and groaning, I miss my femca, I miss my babies. And I said, stop. I do miss them, but God, I miss you. The, the heart of prophecy, according to, to David, was one thing do I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days and gaze upon his beauty because there's nothing like the beauty of God, gazing upon his beauty. And what is the heart of prophecy? Go with me to, to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. And here is an incredibly important scripture about the heart of prophecy. Zephaniah 3.17, this is what says, he says, he will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful singing and, and joyful songs. In another translation, it actually says, he will, he will still you. He will, he will calm you. He will silence you as a mother who's singing a lullaby to her babies. Or, or as when Hannah, my, my almost 10-year-old, was born and she came out. She was crying, and like all babies do. And, and her mama couldn't hold her, and she was crying. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And they gave her to her papa. And her papa began to sing to her, I love Hannah. I love Hannah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. God is speaking more over you. I bless you. I bless you because you kept saying this is a huge responsibility, God. How am I going to carry this? Lord said, don't worry about it. I'm going to do it. You guys are just pulling it out of me. <laughs> the Lord says, don't fear. Just continue to trust me. Continue to say, as John the Baptist, you must be greater and I become, must become less. But I am the God of the harvest, and I will give the resources and things for this. And by the way, this word that I just gave to her, this is for the whole church. This, 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 this church is to be a source of, of prophets, of apostles, of pastors, of teachers, of fivefold ministry to equip the saints. Because you guys have realized that this is not about your church. It's not just about us. It's about not, not about us for no more. And, and that is why we cannot have a mentality about it's all me. No, Jesus raised up 12, then he raised up 70, then there was 120, then there was 1,000. So ministry, unfortunately, is many times about us doing the ministry and you guys watching. No, Ephesians 4, 10 through 13 says that there's the fivefold ministry to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So you guys do the ministry, not the ministers. Our job is just to equip you. You guys can watch me prophesy, oh, look, that's cool. I wish I could do that. You can do it. First time I met Prophet Bruce in Chicago, I was eating at Subway. You know, there's special anointing on Subway sa sandwiches, you know. Especially when you get mayonnaise and salt on it. Anyways, 
I said, so teach me how to prophesy. I want to know. I want to know how to do it. He looked at me and said, same Holy Spirit I have. You do too. Just do it. And I believed him. So I've gone to some churches and I've trained them. And years later, I come back and people are like, could you teach me how to prophesy? I'm like, I just did. Why, why don't you guys do it? Don't just be hearers, be doers of the word. Fortunately, I'm here at this house where you guys already prophesy. And the little that I have, I'm going to just add to you guys. And you guys are going to train, turn around, train others. And it's going to continue to flow. Because it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. I was singing, wasn't I? So I sang, I love Hannah. I love Hannah. I love Hannah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. She is very special. She is very special. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So then when Benjamin, my youngest, was like a baby and he was crying, Hannah began singing over over. Or Benjamin. I love Benjamin. I love Benjamin. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. He is very special. He is very special. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And then I walk into the house one day, and what does Hannah begin to sing over me? I love Papa. I love Papa. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That's called worship. It's singing over God what he sings to us. Prayer, all prayer is, is saying to God what he told us to say to him. Let me say that again. Prayer is saying to God what he told us to say over him. Prayer is a two-way conversation. Prayer is not just talking to God. It's also listening to him. That's prophecy. Uh, Proverbs 29.18. Yeah, Proverbs 29.18. In Dutch it says, my people perish for a lack of prophecy. Some translations say a lack of vision or revelation. Hosea 4.6 says, my people perish because they don't know me. Church is not about a two-hour service. We are the church. We get to know him. We get to hear him. Romans chapter 8 says that we are no longer slaves to hear, but that we have a, 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 a spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes in us and says, you are are now my son, my daughter. So we have a spirit inside of us that says, Abba, Papa. There are three lies which the world tells us. The first lie that the world tells us is that you are what you do. So whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, whatever you are, homeless, whatever you are, that's what you are. That is a lie. You are not what you do. The second lie that the world tells us is you are what you have. So whether you have a really nice car or a old beat up or uh, nice shoes or shoes with holes in it. They say, that's who you are. No, you are not what you have. You are not your bank account. You are not your race. You are not your nationality. You are not these things. They say you are what people think of you. You are not what people think of you. Fear of man is a danger, is a trap. Who are you? And why am I hitting on this? Because prophecy, if you want to prophesy, your identity needs to be found in Christ. That I am hidden in Christ. And no matter what happens, if I abound or base, rich or poor, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. And this is the core of prophecy, is that we hear the voice of our Papa God saying, you are my dearly beloved son and daughter. I love you. I love you. All the prophets that I train will always prophesy, my son, I love you. Is that God speaking? He will always say that. That is scripture. 
Do not prophesy if you are anger, bitter, or mean. Because you will not speak from the heart of God. That, that's some, there's charismatic witchcraft where people manipulate and get their own thing using the name of God. That is evil and that is not from God. We have got to remain by God, keeping our hearts with Him. I was doing in Budapest, uh, uh, at the end of Budapest, one of the young people grabbed the mic and he said, God says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I said, yes, he's got the essence of prophecy. Prophecy is not just foretelling the future, it's actually reflecting the heart of Papa God because I spend with time with him. The Apostle John, you know what he did? He laid his head on the chest of Jesus and he heard the heartbeat of Jesus. It's in the secret place. It's within our, our, our ears on the heartbeat of Jesus. You know, MasterCard is getting the technology so that in the future you won't use a PIN code. All, all that you'll use is, is a selfie. But they're also working with the technology that instead of a selfie, they're going to check your pulse. You don't have a pulse? <laughs> this is a miracle. All right. All right. Okay. Healing tomorrow. Pulse, come back. All right. Anyways. Did you know that part of prophecy is hearing the heartbeat of God? And sometimes I've been in churches and I heard preachers and I'm like, no, that's not the heartbeat of God. That's religion. All you're teaching is rules and regulations, but the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, it's joy and peace. The, the kingdom of God is not just words, it's powers. It's, I mean, Paul said the way that I preach is with demonstrations of power, not with wisdom, but with power so that your faith is based upon it. We don't want to just have wisdom, we want the power of God. In the last few weeks, I've seen over 200 healings. I've seen at least six or seven deaf ears pop open. I'm not saying to make myself great. No, God is great. Jesus is saying yesterday, today, and forever. We've got to be hungry. We've got to say, God, I want to heal the sick. God, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. But what really important is here is that religion says you must do in order to be. You must Read your Bible, you gotta pray, you gotta go to church, you gotta tithe, you gotta all this, and if you do those things, then maybe you'll be a child of God. So the song is doobie dooby 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 doo. Oh, I haven't been good lately, I haven't done enough. No, the gospel is be do. You are a son, you are a daughter of God. And because I'm be, because of who I am, that's why I do it. If someone tells me, man, you get married, you got to do dishes every day. You got to clean nasty diapers with poop in them and, and clean poopy bottoms. And you got to do all these. I'm like, nah, I don't want that. But then when I see Femka, bring all the poop in the world. <laughs> Give me all the dirty dishes. This guy's changed thousands of dirty diapers, right? Yeah, all right. That's called ministry is what it is. You get to clean up people's, anyways. We won't go any further. Um, I'm covering a lot of terrain fast. But my goal right now is I want to set a foundation upon 
why we do what we do. We set a foundation, and please get your pen and paper out, because there's three things that we have to have if we are going to move in power ministry. Without these things, we do not do power ministry. Without these three things, we do not do power ministry. The first one is love. Love people, love people, love people, love people, love people. If you don't love people, don't minister to them because you'll do more damage than good. Second thing is humility. Now, Jonathan Edwards, a couple hundred years ago, wrote about the four things of humility. And I want you to write this down. Okay? Let's go with pride. These are the four marks of pride. The first mark is that you're driven by emptiness or fear. The last reason why you want to prophesy is because you've got to prove that you're a prophet. Okay? You do not want to be driven by fear. And by the way, we all struggle with pride. I struggle with pride as well. Okay? So the moment that you say, I never struggle with pride, you're being prideful. All right? So the first thing about pride is you're driven by fear or by emptiness. The second thing about pride is that you have contempt or anybody that has a different opinion, different race, different religion, you just beat them up and they're, they're horrible. They're, they're idiots. They're, 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 whether it's the liberals or the conservatives or, or whatever it is, you know. And to be quite honest, I, don't, I, don't, I try never to meddle in politics, but I am ashamed of the things that I hear being said by churches. They're not preaching good news. They're preaching politics. And our, our, first, our first job is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to have a church where people are welcome, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, whether they hug trees or, or whatever they do, that we are a church for everybody. Did you know that Jesus had a zealot who hated Rome and he had a tax collector? Do you know what I do every week? Every week I go to the red light district of Amsterdam and I go to the prostitutes and I talk to them and I pray with them. And you know what I tell every one of them? I tell them, God loves you and you're special. We cannot treat people like objects or unimportant because in every person, no matter how horrible or lost they are, there's a bit of Jesus. There's a bit of God. And Jesus came seeking to save those who were lost. So please, love homosexuals. There's a whole street with transgenders. You know what we do? We love on them. True love. Islam, I sincerely love our Muslims. I spent many years of my life reaching out to Hispanics. Yo hablo español. And I see that people from every race struggle with pride and insecurity. And this church is called to reach out to Hispanics who speak Spanish. And I pray for workers for the harvest that you will plant many Spanish-speaking churches in Fresno or partner with that. And you know some of the most powerful services that I've had is when I've stood in front of Mexicans and I've said, as a white person, will you please forgive us for what we've done to you? 
and I wash feet and I kiss feet because that's what Jesus did. So pride is driven by emptiness as contempt for people that are different. It's, it's, it knows everything. It's unteachable. No one can correct me. The fourth thing that pride is, is pride is um, highly insecure. Highly insecure. And that's why it has to do all the other things. Let's not talk about pride anymore. Let's talk about humility. What is the first thing that humility is? It's being content. Not driven, but content. Second thing that humility is, is that somebody who's humble is friendly and respectful to people that think differently. Okay? I'm not saying that you can never have an argument or a discussion, but even if you have an argument and discussion, people still know, know that you respect them. Does that make sense? I mean... Me and my wife, we love each other, but we have some big knockdown dragouts. We, we, we have good arguments, but we do it with respect and with love, and we work it out. Okay? I don't know about you, but I'm still not perfect. That's why God gives us wives. Amen, brothers? Third thing is that a person who's humble is teachable and can be corrected. Anybody who I work with in a prophetic team has got to be able to know that I have permission to correct them and they have permission to correct me. Anybody who says, I hear God, and you don't. Was that clear? In the original Greek, that's. The fourth thing that humility is, is humility is Secure. And why am I secure? Because I hear the voice of Papa God saying, you are my dearly beloved son, my daughter. I love you. No matter what happens, I love you. I'm in Amsterdam for four years, and I baptized a few people, and not much is happening. And I'm like, my wife's like, a breakthrough's got to come. I say, no, a breakthrough's going to come. I don't know when. I don't know how, but it's going to come. In 2010, I'm with prophets in Chicago, and they say, uh, uh, the Lord says, I'm proud of you, my son, because you've prepared yourself intellectually, but now I open the spirit for you. And in the last six, seven years, I've learned a lot about the gifts of the spirit and all these things. But what you've got to realize, it's not about the gifts. It's about your character, who you are. Who you are is more important than what you do because many people come with mighty powerful ministries, but they lack the character and they have a moral failure or they're prideful and no one can correct them and they fall along the wayside. But my goal is to be an 85, 95-year-old prophet who's still walking around prophesying, teaching, and healing the sick. And hopefully I'll be teaching some of your grandchildren. Who knows? Am I making sense? So whenever you walk and you're prophesying, you've got to do it in a way that's humble. You've got to do it in a way that's loving. Okay? First time I, they said, you're going to make a long story short. I was real excited because I was prophesying accurately. So I get up in the morning. God told me to stay in bed, but I get up in the morning and I'm walking. I'm like, where's somebody I can prophesy over? Where's somebody I can pro-? There's a door. I go over, I knock on the door. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning, you know. 
this is what God wants to tell you. And then I walk away and I'm like, ha, hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, a cop pulls me over. Are you on medicine? Are you on drugs? Somebody just called, said you were talking to yourself. I was praying in tongues on the street. Throw that stick down. What's wrong with you? Why are you shaking? Because you're a policewoman. And then I went home and I cried like a baby. I made such a fool of God and of myself. Why am I telling you this? Because if you're going to step out, you're going to make mistakes. And hopefully you'll learn from my mistakes so you don't have to make that one. So what do you do? You approach people in a loving and a humble way. You don't come to force things on people. You, br- you deliver the pizza, but you don't force people to eat the pizza. Okay? Our job is simply to, be de- to, to lovingly and humbly bring it. So, like, years ago I asked a prophet, like, how do you do prophetic evangelism? Do you, like, ask for a clue or treasure hunt? Or what do you do? She said, no, you just have the guts to walk up to someone and give them a message from God. So that night I went to Walmart, Walgreens, and Quick Trip and gave a word to somebody. Have I made mistakes? Yeah. Do I still make mistakes? Yeah. But if you don't make mistakes, you're not learning. You're not growing. So I'll go on the street in, in Amsterdam, and I'll give, like, accurate words of knowledge, and then I, someone says, no, that doesn't mean anything. That's totally wrong. Okay. I can miss it. You can too. We're human. And that's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21, please write that down. It says, do not despise prophecy, but test it, evaluate it, judge it, hold on to the good, and what's not, leave it on the side. Because there are actually levels of prophecy. All right, this is, a, this is like a crash course in prophecy. There's, there's at least three levels of prophecy. The first level of prophecy, I'll start here on the ground, is called the spirit of prophecy. Where is the spirit of prophecy? Write this down, Revelation 19.10. John is, is prophesying. He's before an angel and starts worshiping the angel. And the angel says, do not worship me. Uh, I, you know, I'm a servant like you. Uh, worship God for the testimony of Jesus or giving the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the basic level is testifying about Jesus. How many of you guys can testify about Jesus? Let me see your hand. You can all prophesy. The problem is is that we get confused with Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy, prophets got a word from God. They knew exactly what they had to say. And if they made a mistake, they got stoned. We don't want that kind of prophecy. All right? I get enough, you know, blue spots and stuff from just being a pop of four kids. You know, I, I don't want to get stoned. New Testament is different. New Testament prophecy, the basic, most simple level of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3, whoever prophesies does it to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Strengthen, encourage, comfort. Strengthen, encourage, comfort. How many of you guys can strengthen, encourage, and comfort people? Then you can prophesy. Because prophecy is not just foretelling, telling the future. It's also forth-telling. What is forth-telling? It's declaring the word of God over people. It's declaring scripture. It's declaring, and we can all do that. Because our goal is not to prove how great we are. Our goal is to prove how great Jesus is. It's not us. We are the spirit-filled Pentecostal Holiness Church and them Baptists down the street. No, 
Jesus loves Baptists just as much as he loves us. And guess what? They have the Holy Spirit just as we do. We are not to be prideful. Because pride comes before the fall. So, real quick. Can I speak for God? 1 Peter 4.11 If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So that's why I have no problem saying my son, my daughter. Luke 10.16 Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Luke 11, 11 through 12, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. At that time. But what am I going to say? Relax. Holy Spirit's in you. Everybody make a fist. All right, is it easy to stick your finger inside of that fist? No. Open your hand like that. It's easy. You want power? Be at peace. Because as Martin Luther said, we come before the Lord with empty hands. And he will fill it. In fact, it says in in Psalm 81.10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. So some of my prophets never know what they're going to say. But all they do is is they just walk up to somebody. The whole principle of prophecy is just like a Kleenex box. All right? Everything you need to know about prophecy, you learn from a Kleenex box. All right? This is how it works. God gives you one picture, one word, one scripture. And you're like, I don't know if it's God or me. Relax. As long as it's strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, you're good. Okay? And also, we're training here that people can judge words, evaluate them, hold on to what's good and what they don't understand or not God, you put it in the refrigerator. That way, six months later, you come back. If it's good, it was God. If it's not, you don't worry about it. No one can force you to do something through a prophetic word. No one can say, God told me you're going to be my wife. Excuse me? God's got to speak to me first. In fact, I always say be very, very careful when it comes to uh, babies being born, to weddings, and to deaths. Be very, very careful. God uses that, but you know what? That's more like for prophets. And even I know prophets who've missed it. And if a prophet misses it, you know what he does? He apologizes if necessary. Does that make sense? My goal here is to show you guys that prophecy is not mystical and weird. It's the normal Christian life. It, it's, it's natural and normal to be supernatural. So, this is what happens. You get one word, and then you give that one word, and this is what happens. More comes. And more comes. And more comes. And before you know it, you've been prophesying for three hours. Well, not three hours, but... Uh, because Romans 10, 6. Look it up. Romans 10, 6. This is how prophecy works. And I really, really, really like it. In the New Living Bible, how it says there. It says this. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, 
then prophesy whenever you can, as often as your faith is strong enough to receive a message from God. Us Pentecostals normally only prophesy when we feel the anointing. And that's Friday night of camp meeting. Because then our faith is high. Now, we've been here for four days. Now, it's time for Jesus to show up. But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. By faith and not by feeling. So that's why I don't need an angel to sit on my head or a bright light to come. You give me a phone and I'll give you a word from God because God is inside of me and he's going to speak through me. Am I, I'm changing our paradigms a little, okay? Because the old paradigm is you've got to feel, feel something, like healing. I was with an older minister with a powerful healing minister. Go pray for him. He's like, no, he doesn't have enough faith. They don't need faith. I have the faith. Let me do it. And anyways, I can't heal anybody. God heals. My job is to put my hands on them and pray. I can't heal anybody. God does. So how do we prophesy? How do we heal the sick? How how are we saved? By faith and not by feeling. Okay? So this is the bottom level. The spirit of prophecy. This is where everybody can prophesy. How does this work? This works whenever you're in a place with a, where there's worship and amazing worship and everybody can get a picture, everybody can get something because the presence of God is there. Or if you have a crazy person like me who's going to challenge you and you're going to open your mouth and God's going to speak. I can tell lots of stories of people who aren't even Christians. When I challenge them, God starts speaking through them. Does that make sense? Where do we see this? We see this when Saul sends his messengers to grab David, and instead of them being able to grab David, the Spirit of God grabs them. They start prophesying. Saul himself falls on the ground butt naked for a day and prophesies and says, is he a prophet? Now, please, everybody keep your clothes on. But honestly, prophesying is like being in your underwear because you don't know anything, and you trust God, and you just open your mouth, and he does it. It's very scary, but it's a blast. So this is the bottom level of prophecy, spirit of prophecy. Second level of prophecy is the gift of prophecy. What is the gift of prophecy? You can prophesy anywhere at any time. You don't need the special circumstances. Does everybody have a gift of prophecy? No. But you won't know until you start prophesying. And then there's the third level, prophets. And this is like your pastor. Also, we have a prophet here. And these are people who can prophesy from a higher level of authority. I was just with a prophet who will be here tomorrow, hopefully. He was in Peru. And they had a bunch of uh, a bay where they were catching no fish. He dumped seven bottles of olive oil in there. And he said, you will catch many fish of many sorts. And they called him a week later and said, it's happening. So don't worry about what level you're at. Just love Jesus. Don't worry about being accurate. Just love Jesus. He must become greater and I must become less. Okay. So now, I'm going to go how to do it. Okay? We've done the basis. We've done the heart. Oh, no, no. I've got to cover one, one more thing. And then I'll... The three things you need to prophesy. Number one. What is number one? Number two. What is number three? I haven't told you yet. <laughs> Gary Best Books, Naturally Supernatural. He has a vision where he's standing on a diving board and there's an empty swimming pool underneath him. And God says, Jump. He's like, uh, God, there's no water in the swimming pool. 
God says, jump. God, there's no water in the swimming pool. Jump. So he jumps, and the moment he jumps, the swimming pool is filled with water. Okay? First time I got a word of knowledge on television, I started getting pain right here in the back of my head, and I was like, oh, shoot. This is a word of knowledge. I see the minutes ticking away, and I say, I feel like somebody's watching right now, and God's healing you right here in the back of your neck. When the time's over, I'm like, what did I just do? I found out that it was the cameraman. And God started giving me words of knowledge and healing everywhere I went. Tomorrow we'll be talking about that. In fact, tomorrow, bring your sick friends and family. Tomorrow there's going to be lots of people that are going to get healed. If you never have the feeling like, what did I just do? What did I just say? You need to have that because faith, how do you spell faith? How? Nah, uh, uh, uh. you spell R-I-S-K. Risk. You've got to take a risk. We saw a famous preacher at McDonald's. A few days ago, I walked up and said, this is what the Lord, the Lord says, and I just gave him a word from the Lord. I took a risk. All right. Now we're going to go to the how-to. Open your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. And I'm going to give you, this is a really crash course. There's many more things, but I'm just hitting the mace. These are the important ways. Three common ways to receive a word from God. Number one, my son Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Number one, what is the word of God? What is the word of God? Love, yes, but what is the word of God? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. So the first way that we prophesy is we simply, we give a scripture. There's scriptures in our hearts, a worship song, a Bible story. So we walk up to somebody and by faith, we say, my son, for even when you were in your mother's womb, I called you and I've set you aside. And I just see the Lord like even taking you. I see like a, a desk with a light on it, and I see you studying and I see you asking questions. And the Lord says, I, I, I thank you, my son, for the things you've gone through. That, that even though when it was difficult, you've kept your eyes on me. And not only have I pulled you up, but I will continue to use you to walk on water. But just like Peter did not look at the winds and the waves. Don't look at the winds and the waves. Look at me, for you will not only walk on water, but you will teach other people to trust in God, and they will see miracles take place. What did I just do? I told him a Bible story, used some scriptures, and I applied it to him. Does that make any sense, what I just said to you? So the first way that we prophesy is Scripture. I, it's hilarious because I watch people, I, I activate people all over the world. Like, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's called fear and pride. Get over it. Just trust God. Open your mouth. So I'm like, just say your favorite scripture. And he starts rattling off his favorite scripture, and it's perfectly exactly what, what that person, what God was saying to them. Trust God. And this is also why if you're going to prophesy, you've got to fill your heart with God's word. You, you've got to be a person who fasts, who prays, because what's in your heart will come out. I've heard people who prophesy, they start prophesying their political view. That's because they're watching more Fox News or CNN than the Bible. Come on! This is the word of God, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Get this in your heart, and it'll come out of your mouth. 
Second way that we prophesy is do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. The second way that we prophesy is with a vision or a picture. Now watch. Everybody is going to get a picture right now. It's not from God. It's from me. But watch this. Imagine three yellow bananas. Imagine a knife going through the three yellow bananas. And then a green bird comes by, picks it up. And then a pink elephant in a tutu starts dancing to her music. Did, did you guys see that? Okay, that's the, that's the eye of our imagination. And so many times when we're prophesying, what we're doing is we're activating the, that and asking God for a picture. God gives us a picture, and then on the hand of that, using that picture, we prophesy. Does that make sense? So it's not like a whole movie. No, it's just, you know, a picture that God gives you. Third way that we prophesy is through a feeling. All of a sudden, I know I have to go somewhere. All the way, I know I have to call somebody. I know I have to do something. And by the way, not all intercessors are prophets, but all prophets are intercessors. So I was born in Chile, and I was dying. They pulled me out seven and a half months. My mother was dying. She stopped breathing. They got her to breathe again. But instead of taking care of her and watching over her, they leave her in the, in the hallway all by herself. The only nurse that comes by comes by to say, your son, he's this big and he's dying. And she feels like a spirit of death or fear coming down upon her saying, you're going to die, your baby's going to die, and there's nothing you can do about it. She starts praying Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for your rod and staff that come from me. And the spirit starts lifting up. She says, God, I can't pray. I have people back in the United States praying for me. Six months later, a woman in Alaska. Alaska. What happened on January 12th? What do you mean what happened January 12th? January 12th, God woke me up and told me I had to pray for you. God used the prayer of a woman in Alaska to save my life and my mother's life. So if you wake up thinking about me, don't go to sleep right away. Amen? Further, for there are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. How do you know it's a word from God? Because you're not confused. It, it's like, oh, that's good. It lifts me up. Oh, that feels good. Yes, thank you. How do I test the word? Is it, is it encouraging, strengthening, comforting? Is it building me up? If it's tearing you down, it's probably not from God. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. 